Good deal. So today we kick off a series that I've been looking forward to for a long time, a series called Knuckleheads. If you're a knucklehead, raise your hand, all right? Now, if you don't raise your hand, you're just not, you're not very self-aware, okay? Um, but I'm going to help you get self-aware today, all right? Uh, this is kind of uh, where this story was birthed. Um, if you were to open up your Bible and turn to the New Testament, you would see the first four books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those accounts of Jesus' life on the planet. And in the gospel according to Mark, Mark talks about this story, I believe it's in Mark 9, where this dad has a really sick son. And he brings his sick son to the disciples so the disciples could heal him, but the disciples can't. And when the disciples can't heal the son, a whole lot of chaos just erupts. Debates, arguments between the father, the disciples, and all the people that were gathered around in that neighborhood. And as all this confusion is going on, Jesus walks up to this, and he's like, Guys, what's going on? What's, what's the commotion? And so the father t- gives him the report. Hey, I brought my son here to get help. Your disciples can't if you're able to. And Jesus says, if I? Like, if, if I'm able to help? And how the father responds, I think, is one of the most beautiful responses in all of the scripture. It says, immediately the father said, when Jesus said, if I, the father immediately says, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Is that not great? And that, that's the foundation for knuckleheads. We are a people who believe, but Father, help us overcome our unbelief. I say it like this sometimes. We're all unbelievers. Everybody in this room. It may not be salvation, but there's something that God is currently trying to teach you, and you're just having a hard time receiving it. You're a knucklehead. He's trying to teach you about your finances, your marriage, your parenting, your kindness, your grace, your forgiveness, and, and you're, just, you're, just, you're just being a knucklehead. And he's trying, and he's trying, and he's trying. And so we want to have this posture to say, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Right now, I grew up in a small town of maybe 50 people called Light, Arkansas. I'm a small town dude. And right now, they're cutting rice in Light, Arkansas. That's what they're doing. It's harvest season. And I see the combines in the field, and they're going through the soggy, muddy water as they're cutting the rice. I can smell that mud mixed with the stock. I love that smell. I can smell it as I'm talking about it. I love it. It's fantastic. I wish I could get a cologne of that. I'd wear it. My wife would love it, I'm sure. Right? But it's the harvest season. Guys, it's harvest season in our hearts. Man, we're going to take steps in this series for you to harvest what God is trying to do in your life, that you take a step from a knucklehead. You can say, you know what, I was a knucklehead, but man, I leaned in and, and, and I followed Jesus. Now, several months back, I was doing my weekly uh, kind of Sabbath reading on Saturday, and I came across Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3. It's the first scripture in your insert. If you will, take this out. This is going to be our guide today, and it's going to help us as we learn what God might want to be saying to us as a congregation, as a 10 o'clock group. In the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3, God says to Moses, You have circled this mountain long enough, now turn north. And when I saw that, I'm like, is that not us? We circle finances, we circle parenting, we just over and over, like, this is your fourth boyfriend in the last two years, but you're going to date him the same way you dated the other three and expect different results. No! This is your new job after, uh, after you've tried to find one, and yet you're going you're gonna to step in generosity the same way as you've done in the past, and then why am I not better off financially? We just circle these mountains, and we circle them, and we circle them. And what I, want, I think God is saying to me, and what I think he's saying to all of us is, enough. Now turn north. 
And we're going to do that. And we're going to, I'm going to do my best to encourage you, to challenge you, to help you, to walk with you. But that is where we're headed. Now, to help us get here, we took a survey three weeks ago. We actually did it for two weeks. And we asked you to let us know at the 10 o'clock service, what was your top issues that you were struggling with? And so at 845, I taught a message on rest and Sabbath. That was what their top issue was. Here is your top issue at the 10 o'clock. These are your top issues. Anxiety. Rest and Sabbath, I don't read my Bible. And for those who answered anxiety, so here's what I was able to do. I went to our survey and I put in filters. What did the 10 o'clock crowd say? And then your, your stuff comes up. Can we show the graph real quick, Dennis? Let them see. This is what your graph looked like based on your response if you took the survey. Now let's go back. And then I said, okay, let's look at the top three. But anxiety was big number one. And so for those who answered anxiety, you also checked these things. Rest and Sabbath, well, that was number two. Forgiveness, I don't read my Bible, well, that's number three. Money troubles, and then tie at loneliness and purpose in life. Are you with me? So I don't come to you today wanting to tell you what you're struggling with. This is what you told me. Now, you said I didn't take the survey. Well, you're just guilty by association, okay? So um, we're going to talk today about anxiety. But first, I'm going to poke the bear. Actually, I'm going to poke the knucklehead, all right? Can, can I have some fun with you? Yes, Pastor Matt, you can, right? Do you find, what do you, what do you observe about the first three? I don't read my Bible, and I don't rest in Sabbath, and wouldn't you know it, I'm just worried about everything. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just trying to point you to, I got my sniper rifle. I don't read my Bible. And I don't take time to rest in Sabbath. Therefore, uh, do I need to say this more? All right. I don't read my Bible and I don't spend time. What, okay, so rest in Sabbath and I don't read my Bible. What is the common foundation for both of those? I'm going to help, help you. Relationship. When you are resting and Sabbathing and when you're reading your Bible, the foundation, the purpose of those two things is to have a relationship with God. God through his son, Jesus, and his gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a difference in Bible study and uh, rest and Sabbath. And I don't, I'm not talking about Bible study. I'm talking about relationship with Jesus. Like, for example, uh, this makes a lot of you lose respect for me, but I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. I, I have, I'm secure. I love professional wrestling, okay? WWE, Hulk Hogan kind of stuff, right? And I know a lot about Vince McMahon and WWE. Like, I know a lot. Like, I know way more than you do about those things, right? And you're like, well, good, weirdo, right? So, but if Vince McMahon walked in that back door right now, he wouldn't know me from Adam because we have no relationship. But I know all kinds of things about him. I'm not asking you to be able to take a pop quiz about Jesus. I'm asking you, how do we step into relationship with Jesus? How do you take, oh, man, you understand, I just don't have time. I just just can't fit that into my day. Anxiety, let's go to that graph. Anxiety was the biggest thing up there. That's the thing that you should make the most time for because you people are worried sick. Marriage, what were these things? Uh, I don't remember. So it was forgiveness, money troubles, loneliness, and purpose in life. What a miserable lot we are, right? I mean, we just lay our head on our pillow at night, and we're just thinking about all kinds of things. We don't have peace. Free, free, forever. Eight. Well, no, put me in the chains, baby, because I don't have time for Jesus. 
I told you I was going to poke you a little bit. Now, I'm on done poking, all right? And we're going to step back, and we're going to see now what the Lord has to say to us through His Word, all right? So I'm going to talk to you today about worry. I'm not going to hit you over the head about reading your Bible and Sabbath. If you want to hear the Sabbath message, it'll be online by Tuesday. It's what I taught at 845, and someone told me it was really good, and I liked his response, so I think you should take his recommendation. All right. Here's how dictionary.com defines anxiety. Distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. Let's just write on our insert, because this is when you have to play along with me. This is your stuff. I want you to write above anxiety, worry. We're going to talk about worry today. We're going to talk about how worry creates anxiety in our life. First scripture that we're going to begin with is 1 Peter 5, 7, where Peter says, Give all your worries and cares to who? God. God. Why? For he cares about you. So we're going to think today that the end game is we're going to begin to give our cares and our worries to God. Why? Because he gives, because he cares about you. How do we give our cares and worries to God? We have relationship with God. I don't have an address to give you where you could send your cares and worries to the mail. He's not like Santa Claus in the North Pole, okay? It's a relationship where you have conversation with God about your life and who you are. And for some of you, are like, that's really weird. Yeah, I know. But over and over again, that's what we're told to do is to spend time with the Lord. Let's look at this next thing on the insert. Fear and worry are the opposites of trust and faith. Fear and worry are the opposites of trust and faith. Matt, why did you write that in? Well, it's because if you say that you're a person of faith that you're a person who trusts God, yet you are worried or you're afraid of something, then there is a problem. Your your spiritual life isn't matching up with the words that are coming out of your mouth. And so anytime you you hear yourself say, well, I'm just so afraid. Well, eh, knucklehead, I'm not trusting God. Well, I, I I just don't know if, I just don't know, I just worry. Then you're not, catch yourself, right? Catch yourself and say, whoa, self, whoa, knucklehead i got to trust God with this. So let's step into this and let's see what we might discover on how we give our cares and our worries to God. Let's look in the encouraging book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, verses 22 through 26. Solomon, who has been coined as the wisest person to live besides Jesus, says, What does a man acquire from all his labor and from the anxiety that accompanies his toil on earth? Like, what's the point of worrying about all this stuff that you're worrying about? For no one can eat and drink or experience joy apart from Him, Him being God. For the one who pleases God, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner, the one who doesn't please Him, He gives the task of amassing wealth, only to give it to the one who pleases God. So if you say, I just don't have time to read my Bible, I just don't have time to sit with Jesus and form this relationship through rest and Sabbath, God says, I'm not going to make you. But as you toil and work so hard in this life, just know that I'm going to take everything that you work for and I'm going to give it to the godly. And all the godly people say, well, thank you. We're all working. We're all striving So why not align ourselves with God's ways and what God asks so that we get to benefit from his blessing in this life? Now, Jesus says it like this in one of the most beautiful 
uh, scriptures, uh, passages in all the Bible, Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 25 through 34. This is Jesus speaking, so let's lean in and let's see what Jesus says to us about worry. And as I read this, and I'm probably going to read parts of it more than once, the question that I'm going to ask you is, what is God saying to you, right? Not so much what do I want to say to you, but what is God saying to you through his word? So when Curtis sings that song, invitation song, Holy Spirit, come, you are welcome in this place. Right now, in your spirit, Lord, speak to me through your Holy Spirit. What do you want to say to me through your word? Matthew 6, Jesus says... Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Does that sound like a command? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, turn it over here, maybe if I can, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to your body than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. Anybody ever seen a bird? Raise your hand if you've ever seen a bird. Great. We're all on the same page, okay? Look at the birds of the sky. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? I just want to share something real quick with you. You are so valuable to God. Tonight at 5 o'clock, me, but primarily my friend Mike Grubbs here, is going to give the message on your personal identity. Mike, you want to kind of wave? This is Mike Grubbs. He's my counseling friend, great, great friend of New City. He's going to give the message on your personal identity because that was the number one issue at the 5 o'clock crowd. And Mike's written a book called uh, Top-Down Thinking in a Bottom-Up World. And it's, this premise is you believe, somebody's told you who you are and you've bought into it. Someone's told you who you are what you are, and you've bought into it. And how do you take what God says about you and make that the most important thing in your life? Like my son Luke yesterday said that a kid said that he was stupid while we were at a soccer game. And I said to Luke, what does your daddy say about you? He says that you love me and you think I'm smart. What's more important, what that friend says or what your daddy says? Right? What your daddy says. Now put your seatbelt on and be quiet and let's go. Right? They do not sow or reap or gather into bonds that your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? And which of you, Jesus says, by worrying can add even one hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothing? Think about how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. Yet I tell you, that guy we read about in Ecclesiastes, not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more? You people of what? Little faith. You people of little faith. So then, don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Hit pause. Or how will we pay our rent? Or how am I going to take care of this child? Or how am I going to restore this marriage? Or how am I going to get a job? Or how am I, right? Just fill in the blank. Why do you worry about all of these things? And notice this next line. For the unconverted pursue these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now let's not just jump over that. Jesus tells his people, the Jewish people who are sitting down and listening to him speak, he says, don't act like those who know nothing about me, the unconverted. 
The people who don't follow me, the people who don't believe in the one true God, don't act like people who are still in chains when we see, we sing that we're people who are free, free indeed. That's how the un- people who don't know Jesus, people who don't follow the one true God, they are the ones who should be worrying about all of these things, but not you and I. So when we worry about this, we act like the unconverted. Your heavenly Father knows what you need, but above all, here, here he goes, he's giving you the punchline. Instead of worry, but above all, pursue his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things that you worry about will be given to you as well. That's my favorite scripture in all the Bible. If you want to write it down, it's Matthew 6, 33. I learned it like this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and pursue his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek his kingdom. What does that mean? Live like you're under the king's authority. Seek his kingdom. Make everywhere you go better. Be a person of integrity and always seek justice. That's kingdom living. Make them, no matter where you go, like if you're going to watch football today, don't bring crappy dip. Bring the good dip. And don't bring Mountain Lightning, bring Mountain Dew, bring the real stuff. Come on, come on, people, right? Like, make it better. When, when you pull up to your friend's house or to your workplace, your friend or your boss ought to go, Woo, they came back! Not, oh, crap, they came back to work today. That's not kingdom. You should be a person of an integrity and a person of justice. That is the pursuing the kingdom life and live righteously. What does that mean? You keep a short list of accounts. Like you're, like you're doing your best to follow the teachings of Jesus. And Jesus says, when you pursue kingdom and righteousness above everything else, I'm going to take care of every single worry you have. And we say, oh, but can you take care of all of my worries and I still get to do whatever I want? Can I pursue my kingdom and live like the world? And you still, above all else. There's three statements that Jesus makes that I love. The first, he says, is pursue kingdom and righteousness. When he was asked about the greatest commandment, he said, love God and love people. We talked about that the last three weeks, right? And then the last thing he said was go and make disciples, baptizing them into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded. The first, the greatest, and the last. Three really important statements that you ought to know that Jesus made. Your responsibility as a follower of Jesus is to pursue kingdom, not acting like the world worrying about everything in your life. Let's finish this scripture. So then, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. My friend Mary Sutherland says the problem with life is that it's daily. And Jesus affirms it right here. Right? It's good theology. Raise your hand if you've had a problem this past week. Raise your hand this past week if you worried that the Chiefs just weren't going to win Thursday night. Come on. Oh, come on. You knew, right? So then, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. Now, we're going to do some math. Who, who hates math? Welcome to New City Church. Okay, here we go. We're going to do a biblical math equation that I think really has the impact to help you go north. You ready? Two scriptures. Lamentations 3, 22, 23, in Matthew 6, 34, that very last scripture we read. We're going to do a formula of putting these two <coughs> excuse me, passages together. I uh, learned this from a guy named John Piper, who uh, did a devotion on this several years ago, and it has just stuck with me. I think it's fantastic. Are you ready? 
Let's learn about how we're not to worry about tomorrow and live in today. Lamentations chapter 3, Old Testament book, we learn this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. That's good news, right? His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness, last part, His mercies begin afresh each morning. Can we read those last six words together? His mercies begin afresh each morning. Let's memorize it. Say it again. His mercies begin afresh each morning. One more time. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Okay, close your eyes. Pop quiz. When does His mercies begin afresh? Each morning. Every single day, God's mercies are brand spanking new. Okay, you got that? It's important. That's the first part of the equation. Let's look at Matthew 6, 34 now. So then, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. Let's combine those two. What happens when you take Lamentations chapter 3 and add it to Matthew 6, 34? <coughs> Here we go. Number one, God gets what we can learn. God gives you just enough mercy for today's problems. So you woke up this morning? <sighs> And God's mercies were anew. Fresh mercy today for you. Woo! Right? And Jesus tells us, today has enough trouble of its own. Right? And so God, right, gives you just enough mercy for today's problems. Do you feel me? You with me? You can rest in that. Whatever today holds for you, God has totally got you covered. You don't have to worry about a thing because His mercy is new every single day for today's problems. Number two, we can learn this. God has not given you enough mercy today for tomorrow's problems. Are you with me? Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today, today has enough problems of its own. God has not given you enough mercy, which is new every morning for, to, for tomorrow's problems. God has not given you enough mercy today for tomorrow's problems. Are you with me? Let's complete the equation. So if you bring tomorrow into today, you're going to have to worry about tomorrow. Anybody confused? You with me? God has got you covered today. But if you start worrying about what's down the road, He isn't giving you mercy for that yet. He's giving you mercy for what's on your plate today. And so today you focus and you say, God, I trust that you're going to see me through as I pursue kingdom and your righteousness. I know you're going to take care of me. And I know you know what's coming. I know you know it's the first of the month or it's the paycheck or it's the rent that's coming. And I know you know it's there. But God's got this. Can you say that? God's got this. God knows my plights. God knows what's going on. Am I not more uh, uh, important to him than the birds of the air? Am I not more important to God than the flowers of the field? Absolutely. And so I'm going to pursue God, and I'm going to pursue His righteousness, and I'm going to trust that today God is going to take care of me because I'm His little kid. I'm His sheep, and He's my shepherd. Now, let's be vulnerable for a little bit, okay? In my life, several years ago, glad Mike's here. Mike was the one who really was such a huge champion for me through this crisis in my life. My family went through just a hellacious time, a horrible, horrible thing. And what I struggled with in that time, and maybe you can play with me here, is when I thought back on what happened, when I thought about the past, even if the past was a day, now the past is several years. Even today, when I think about what happened, I get sad. I'm not giving you some philosophical, I'm talking about this is truth. 
When I think about what happened in my family several years ago, I get sad and I start questioning my ability to be a good dad. I question my ability to protect my family. And I, I just begin to be unsure of my, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a secure parent. When I think about the past, I get sad. When I think about the future and what could be, I get fearful. And I'm scared. And I worry about what might happen, right? Not knowing that if it's going to, but what might happen. And then I get all anxious and I, and I, and I start living a, a very uh, scared a helicopter parent life. So when I look what happened, I get sad. And when I look what could happen in the future, man, I just begin to freak out, to be honest with you. And what I've found and where the Lord has been so good to me is when I stay right in today. Man, when I stay right in today, his mercies are honestly new every morning. And I know God's got this. And I look at my family. I look at the situation. And God is so sweet. And he's so good. And he's so faithful. His love endures forever. And I just get to set in it. But if I bring tomorrow into it, oh, I don't know what tomorrow holds, right? There's people in this room that have struggled with addiction. And if you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be clean tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Today, you're sober. Today, you're clean. Oh, but you don't understand what I did back here. No, 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 no. I know. You've given that to God. You've left that at the cross of Jesus. His blood has, has covered your sin, past, present, and future. Today, I'm going to stay sober. Today, I'm going to stay focused on pursuing kingdom and righteousness. And you can't let tomorrow and that itch to get high or that itch to get drunk creep in. Tomorrow will worry about itself. You stay in today. You tell tomorrow, I'll see you tomorrow. Feel me? Those of you who your marriage is, it's the same, it's a transferable principles no matter what your issue is, no matter what you're worried about. You be faithful today. Be, be a great husband today. Make right. Apologize if you need to. Give forgiveness if you need to for the past. But today be faithful. Can't worry about tomorrow. You'll be faithful tomorrow, tomorrow. Be faithful today. Be a good parent today. Well, I just, I just tend to let up and then they just run all over me. Be faithful today. Be faithful today in who you are and who Christ is. And His mercies are new every day. You feel me? Don't feel me, but Here we're, here's how we're going to go north. You ready? First thing is this. Now, this is where the homework comes into play. And some of you hate homework, like you hated school, and you're like, when I say homework, you're like, oh my gosh, I did good just to come to church, and now the pastor's giving me homework. Yeah, you keep it up, I'll talk to you about money. Right? Um, number one, List out the reasons for your worry. This is your first step. If you worry in the room, if you're a person who is consumed at times by fear and worry, list out the reasons for your worry. Now, I put a little statement underneath this. Write it down. Get it out of your head and onto a piece of paper. Because I know how most men and actually how everybody thinks. Oh, I don't need to do that. Can I tell you what my experience has taught me? I've done this for a long time now, almost 20 years. If you don't get out of your head and write the things that you worry about down on a piece of paper, you will not change. You will, I'm serious. Like if you don't get out your pen and write down all of the reasons why you worry, I mean, list them out. Every, even the ones that you think is silly, you got to write them down. If you don't do that, if you don't take time to actually get out of your head and see what's causing you problems in your life, you will not change. Get out of your head. Put it on paper so you can see it. Once you do that, look at number two. <coughs> Excuse me. Once you write them down, look at your list. Not your wife's list, not your friend's list. Look at your list 
and ask yourself this simple but deep question. Are these worries bigger than my God? Like you, you list them out and you say, I worry about my finances, okay? Are your finances bigger than your God? You wrote down my kids. Are your kids and how you worry about your kids bigger than your God? You wrote down your career. Is your career, <coughs> and all the worry that comes around that, is that bigger than your God? <coughs> Two responses. If you're honest and you say, A, um, yes, this right here, I don't see how God could do something here. You don't have a worry problem. You have a view of God problem. And you need to begin to talk with a pastor, with an elder, with a spiritually mature friend on who God is. Because if he's not bigger than your problem, your problem is God, not God. Right? Now, if you answer your list, honestly, option B, and you say, nope, God is bigger than any of these issues, then great. You're ready to move forward because you're going to give it to God. That's number three. Trusting God is your mountain. Trusting God is the thing that 10 o'clock crowd, based on the survey, needs to focus on. Not worrying, not afraid, but I can trust God with all of these things. Write out a detailed plan and turn north. What does a detailed plan mean? Like if you said, I worry about my finances. Okay, great. What does the scripture say about finances in God? If you worry about your kids, what does the scripture say? And then you write out a detailed plan based on what those scriptures say. Here's what, this is not a detailed plan. I need to, or I should, or I really got to get around to. No. A detailed plan is, I will start blank by date. And you write out a date. That's a detailed plan. I am going to go to church at 10 a.m. for the next three weeks to finish out this series. That's a part of a detailed plan. Not, I need to do better. What in the world does that even mean? Get detailed. Now, we're, going to, we're about to do communion, but I'm going to teach you something that you didn't know. In Deuteronomy 2.3, when God tells Moses, you've circled this mountain long enough, now turn north. Here's what's so interesting about that passage. Miss Anita Blair told me this. I'm so glad she did. North is where the trouble was. Forty years earlier, God had told the nation of Israel to take the land, and they sent spies in, and the spies came back and said, we can't do that. There's giants, and it's hard, and there's just no way. And so it spread through the camp, and the people voted, and they didn't go. And God got all upset with them and said, fine, this generation, you're going to roam the desert for 40 years until the next generation is developed, and then I'm going to give them the land. But you knuckleheads ain't making it. God could have told them to go east, west, south, and it would have been super easy. But he told them to go north, the original destination that they didn't want to go, where the trouble still lied. Why do I tell you that? When you choose to quit circling your mountain, whatever it might be, and you choose to step in and go north, it's not going to be easy. And you're going to face opposition. And you're going to want to not do it. But here's the good news. God didn't send the people north on their own. He said, I'm going to go before you. Jesus tells us that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you when you read your Bible and when you're Sabbathing with me, right? Jesus tells us if we draw near to him, he's going he's to draw near to us. And so some of us, we just get to say, you know what, Lord? I am, I, oh, here's how we say it, full circle. I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. God, I believe, like I, I really believe that I can grow and I can mature and I can step forward and go north and, and leave this mountain behind. But will you help me overcome my unbelief? He says, absolutely. My mercy is new every morning. Forward. That's what we do. 
Two ways we're going to do this together, and then we're going to we're going to do communion. Just take out your connect card. We are going to do a city group that starts in October that is designed, it's called Exploring Discipleship. And it's designed for anybody at New City Church who is curious about getting into our discipling process. It's a six week long city group that we're just going to introduce to you our discipling process. If week two, you're like, this is not for me, you get the bell, no harm, no foul, right? But if you complete those six weeks, there's a great probability that you're going to find somebody within that city group who you're going to want to say, I can learn from you. And you're going to enter into a discipling relationship. So if you want to do that, fill out this Connect card and write D group on it, and we're going to make sure that you get everything that you need to know for that city group. It's for everyone, anyone, and there's no strings attached, okay? The second thing I want to say is this. Me and Pastor Don are going to work together this week for the 10 o'clock crowd to give you a daily devotional that deals with worry and anxiety. And if you want to make sure that you get that email on worry and anxiety, make sure you fill out your Connect card with a working email, all right? And we're going to send that out starting tomorrow morning. Just a word of encouragement as you step into trusting Jesus as you head north. Is that good? Now, 